Chaos and Christ Podcast. Chaos and Christ Podcast. We honor Christ. Lift heavy weights, act like men, and resist tyranny. And now your host, Alexi Felix. What's going on? Welcome back to Chaos and Christ Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I am recording this Sunday. I have just come back from church a couple hours ago. I've been working on this. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalms 55. Ideally, what I want to do is just kind of go through one verses one through five, maybe even six. But it really just depends on the amount of time I have allotted to me. Might turn this into a two-part thing, or maybe it just remains a one-part thing, however the Lord sees fit. Before I get into that, thank you guys. You've been consistent. You've been hearing me out, and I hope that I'm providing something for you that is just drawing you to Christ more and more in the midst of chaos, and that is my intention. And so in Psalms 55, I honestly just was intending to talk about 37, chapter 37 again, because of just where we're at in this day and age. But as I was reading 55, it just resonated with me. I think it's just something that we really should honestly look into and really feel. And so Psalms 55, honestly, what you get is a lament. This is like a lamentable psalm by David. He is basically going through something. You're going to read that there's a lot of disparity within his writing a lot of urgency and fear. And then you get this sense of heartbreak and betrayal. And it's not so much a sense because the psalm really does pretty much paint out what David is feeling. And you can really dive into it in the first few verses right away. And so enough for us to obviously relate to it. We always relate to that kind of stuff. And so in that, you see the agony. You see all of that. David is truly expressing himself. He pleads for God. So he starts this off in a prayer in desperate hope to get God to respond to him. And he is fearful. There's a lot going on there. And then he, he begins to just pray for God's justice and protection. He pleads for his mercy. He, he's really focusing on that. Down in the, towards the later passages, a couple of verses down, you then see that what he is also dealing with is betrayal. Like I mentioned, it seems as though a friend has betrayed him. It's a companion of his, and it's personal, it's close. And there's anger involved behind that as well, but really just a a heartbreak you can sense. And then what David does is basically he is praying for his enemies to be taken down, that he would be taken care of and justice would be on his side, that he would be protected. And then ultimately... He reminds us, as I'm sure he was probably reminding himself, that what we go through, we are to take to the Lord and cast it on him. Just give it to God because he will see the righteous through and the wicked will go through justice. And so it is important to kind of see how David is going about this. I'm going to go ahead and read this and just kind of break it down with you as I was reading it. Chapter 55 in Psalm. Verse 1 reads, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint 
and I moan. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish, and within me the terrors of death have fallen upon me, for fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. So off the bat, you can feel the anxiety in the words of David. There's a desperation that's taking place there, right? He is automatically just saying, hey, God, pay attention to me. Give me your ear. Give me your undivided attention. And he's he's asking him for God not to hide himself from him, right? Because how many of us have been there? When you want to have an answer from God, you are in the middle of anxiety and despair. You're just, you're feeling the weight of it. And it weighs so heavy on you that you know deep down the only answer is that God responds, right? And the only one who can actually solve whatever it is that is, is the Lord. But we get it, right? We are on, we are in earth. It's not like you can pick up a cell phone, call God, and he picks up. He's like, all right, let's talk this through. It's just the reality of it. A lot of people tend to say, I felt the warmth in my spirit and whatnot. And that's dumb, I guess, but I've never felt that. And I've always had, at, not always, but at certain points in my life, have had desperation where I wanted an answer. And it felt like God was far, hiding away. And I was hoping and pleading, please do not hide yourself from me. You got to see and feel the weight of the words here. He's pleading for mercy. So there is a concern here. He's looking that. He's looking to that God would look to him with pity and to protect him and to deliver him. Mercy, right? Which means he feels helpless. That's other than that, why else would you want and plead mercy? We trust in the mercy of God because what? Because the wrath of God is real. The wrath of God against sin is real. And so we put our trust, our hope and faith in Christ so that way we could have and receive mercy. So something to think about as he's writing this. Then verse two says, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Restless. Have you ever got to that place of disparity where it's so heavy you can't even sleep at night? Where you can't just sit still and just breathe and say, okay, I'm just going to let go and let God. You know, when people say that to you, but you really just can't let go and let God, you are really feeling this. It's an overwhelming disparity a hurt, a pain, you are begging him and you are going to him and you're asking for him to answer you. And this is what David is doing. He is telling us he is restless in his complaint and he moans. He is really going through it. David is truly trying to press in and get God's attention here. Verse three, because of the noise of the enemies, we understand why he's in despair. Verse three tells us and he gets into it and he's telling us because there's a noise of the enemy. But if you go back in context, in Samuel, I believe it's chapter 16, he could be talking about the situation that arose with his son Absalom, where there was a conspiracy to take the throne. Now, this is also on the heels of the fact that David had committed his sin, and God had promised that his house would basically turn against him because of the sin that he had committed. But I don't know if that's necessarily really why he wrote this psalm specifically. He also had that situation with Saul. 
he served Saul, loved him, and trusted that God had chosen Saul. But he had uh, he had betrayal from Saul him as well. His son Absalom. David has gone through some things. So, but just to kind of paint a picture, it could be that, or it could just be a picture of all of that just coming out, and he's just writing it out. I don't know, but now we get in verse three the understanding. It is because of the noise of the enemy, right? Because of the oppression of the wicked. I was looking up a commentary on oppression, and another word could be used as persecution, right? Because of the the persecution of the wicked, right? People that have no fear of God, no no righteousness within them, they are persecuting. And then he goes on to say, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger, they bear a grudge against me. And this seems personal. This seems like this is more than just David finding himself on the opposite side of a different territory. This is even more intimate. There is a personal vendetta against David specifically. And they bear a grudge against him. Who bears a grudge against who? Strangers or people that know people? We bear grudges with other people in our lives because of something that took place, but there had to be some sort of intimacy there. And by intimacy, I just mean like relationship. Could be friendship, could be a brother or sister, could be a wife or a husband, could be a girlfriend, boyfriend, I don't know. Uh, but there is a knowing of someone, right? It doesn't have to be sexually. It could just be a friendship. It could just be a business relationship. It could just be whatever it is. But there is a, a common understanding. There's a common ground one stands on with another person. And then something happens there where the relationship is severed. And then one party or the other or both begins to hold a grudge. They hold something against the other person on their account because of whatever, X, Y, and Z. And this is why this is the result of that, right? So there's this grudge. There's this level of unforgiveness towards someone. And so you can see that he is aware that they are doubling trouble upon him in anger. So there's anger towards David, and they're bearing the grudge against him. Now, David, and again, Samuel, there was someone that was screaming at David and basically said that you are a man of blood and was throwing rocks at him. And David's commander was basically ready to take the sword and cut his head off and ask permission from David to do so. What gives this man the right to talk to the king in such, in such a way? And this man then pronounces that his son will overthrow him, which is Absalom, in the kingdom. There's been some animosity towards David. Not everyone actually loved him, so to speak. He was a good king, though, because he did not allow his servant to kill this man because he figured maybe God has placed it in his heart to curse me. So who am I to say anything otherwise if that's what God has done? That is the heart of David. Verse 4, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. Verse 4 and 5, ultimately, it's death that he's fearing. It is death and it is crippling him and it's too much to bear. And we get this sense of just that disparity. And you know what? I'm only going to stick with verse 5. 
I will actually go on a second part starting at verse 6 and see how far I can go with that. But here's what I want to say. What we get from David here is an example of, of just agony and pain, anxiety, stress, anger, and a just a desire to have mercy and to be delivered from this situation. And I think we're all going through that. On a personal level, you can think of this with anyone in your life. You may not actually be facing death. It could be less extreme than what we see David going through. But we can see exactly how this can make us really just overwhelmed, especially when it feel like you're outnumbered. That can leave you in a state of chaos within your own heart. And it can cause you to just stress out so much. What do you do with all that stuff? Well, if you notice what David's doing here, he's actually taking it before the Lord, is he not? He's actually going to God, and he is pleading with him. And yes, he sounds very urgent. He sounds like he's demanding some answers. He doesn't sound like he's just approaching God. He's like, hey, if you can talk to me, if you can say something, that'd be cool. No, it seems like David is really pleading and demanding the way he is writing i can almost hear him yelling this you know give ear to my prayer god stop hiding yourself from me i'm begging you for mercy right now i need your help i am in this place of despair and i don't know what to do it is overwhelming i'm stressed out i need you don't hide where are you he's restless and he can't seem to stay still. He can't think. He probably can't eat. Sure enough, he's not sleeping because of this threat that is upon him. It's a lot. And he understands why. It is because of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. They drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. And then in David's heart's in anguish. There's fear and trembling, and it overwhelms him. Are you in a state of overwhelm as well? I don't know what you are going through personally, that it made you kind of feel like you're stressed out and feeling that. But another side of this too, not just on a personal level, but then you can feel this way on a much more bigger national level. When you think of the political spectrum of our day in our country, you can start to feel this angst within you, especially if you just give too much credence to the news and you get too much even to the instagram accounts that are supposed to be on your side that are supposed to be giving you the truth but if you notice all they're giving you is overwhelm it's fear it's the noise of the enemy it is the oppression of the wicked on the people on you and on me and we get this constant feed of just information that just causes us to stress the heck out and that's just that's exactly how that goes I can relate to David here on many levels, on a bigger national level and on a personal level. And what I want us to really focus on and what I really want to just harp on is the fact that what David is doing is probably more than what we do nowadays. We don't go before the Lord pleading in prayer, seeking in desperation for an answer from the one who can give us that answer. No, we go straight to social media 
and we plaster our problems, even the personal ones. We either talk about the politics and we get so caught up with the new conspiracy. And look, I'm actually very guilty of this. I feel convicted of this. And I think God is really working on me and changing a lot of things in my heart because I'm realizing some things here. And we go take pride in saying, I, I know what, what's happening here, this information. So I want to I wanna vote this person in. This is the answer to the problem. I joined this party now. This is the answer to the problem. I will hold a grudge against my enemy. This is the answer to the problem. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to get you back. I'm going to have my revenge. Like We'll do everything and anything to figure this stuff out. But what we don't do is that we don't plead with God anymore. We don't go and run to him and ask him for mercy. We just honestly stay in our restlessness. And what do we turn to? Well, we turn to everything like drugs, alcohol, sex. We'll turn to political movements. We'll start following accounts like crazy and start sharing the stuff on the stories. We start trying to identify ourselves as something. We get so fed up with the anxiety that we start acting out in anger. Fighting people in the common sections. But ultimately what that shows is that there's still a restlessness within you inside your spirit. So something to think about here, especially in the context of our day and age and what we're going through now. It is so easy for us to be concerned and just sit in that stress. But what David has done is give us an example. David has given us an example. An example of what we should be doing. We should be running to him and placing all our trust in him so that we can find relief from all that. And then in our relief, we can then ask God for his justice. And in the next episode of this podcast, we'll go into exactly the sort of prayers he is praying for that justice. And we'll get into how much deeper it is for him. The things that he's dealing with, as I mentioned before, there's a sense of betrayal here, which I know we've all gone through in some form or fashion. But without getting too far in the weeds on that, without getting too lost, the first verse up until the fifth verse is an anguish of disparity. It is a pleading for God. It is God to come and help me. I need you. And that's probably you right now. You are in your own sort of chaos. You have enemies at your own door. You are feeling the very same feeling like David is. And you are begging everything else in this world, in this culture, whatever you could find, so that way you can find relief and honestly just be saved from this sort of thing. But what David does is what we will be harping on quite a lot. I'll jump all the way down to verse 22. And verse 22 reads like this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So while I don't mean to just leave this at a, like a dark note here, I am trying to do is, obviously that's the hope I want to provide you. 
cast it onto the Lord. Do what David is doing. You might be finding yourself in that place of disparity, of anguish, of stress, overwhelm, fear, and it might honestly be fear of death for you. I don't know where you're at. You might be in a context of a world that there's catastrophe, whether that's natural or there's wartime. I don't know. And so this might relate to you even more than people in American context, to be quite honest. But nevertheless, what we can see here, what we can take from this is that we can see that God allows us to come before him in such a way to plead for his mercy and to be focused on getting answers from him. And I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you that instead of gossiping, instead of turning to those drugs, rolling up that blunt, pouring out that bottle, instead of doing any of that, instead of getting into an echo chamber or getting into the comment section and arguing with a leftist liberal or a right-wing mega Republican and all these sort of labels that we've created, right? Instead of just hoping for something that a party would do, then getting so upset that they don't do it and thinking, oh, all is lost, all is hopeless. I am overwhelmed. The country is going to be overran. We're going to be taken over by China. Instead of doing all of that, I would encourage you. I would plead with you to get on your knees. Get alone and go to the Lord in prayer and plead with him. Do exactly what verse 22, what David then eventually will get to is instructing what he eventually says, how he ends this psalm. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. It's not that he might or maybe. He will sustain you. He will. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And when there's a never there, you have to know that God cannot lie. He is not a man that he should lie. He is not like you, and he's not like me. So when he tells us and he gives us, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written through the pen of David, and the Lord is telling us that he will never permit the righteous to be moved, then have faith in God. Now, the question is, as far as righteousness goes, are you righteous? Are you amongst the righteous? Because there is this thing of being self-deceived. There's this thing that we do, especially in our culture in, in America, where everyone is the enemy. Everyone is, is against you, but you could do no wrong. Now, here's the thing. David here, he was betrayed. David here is obviously facing some stuff, but remember, they were holding a grudge against him. David did do some things that caused a division within his own household. We're not perfect here. The righteous here are not those that are better than the others. They're not the right over the left as we would like to kind of assume it to be these days. They're not you as opposed to your mother-in-law, you as opposed to your father-in-law, you as opposed to your brother and sister, you as opposed to the employee. Oh, I'm righteous and they're not. No, our righteousness is solely found in Christ and in Christ alone. So if you are hoping that God will vindicate you, God will help you and will hear your plea for mercy, so that way. You can then cast your burden on him so that he can sustain you and then permit you to never be moved because you're righteous. And it's not because of you being better than the other person 
or being in the right ideological framework as opposed to what the culture is going through. It has all to do with your faith in Christ and in Christ alone. So remember that. And if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, then I have no good news. You might just be circled and you might be overtaken. But the good news is this, that Christ has made himself available to you. Trusting in him and placing your faith in him, repenting of your sins, turning from it, and completely renouncing it, placing your trust and faith in Christ, knowing that it's only Christ that can help sustain you and free you from the bondage of sin. It is his righteousness that makes us righteous before the Father. So I hope that that's something that encourages you, that gives you something to think about. If you are in this camp and you are dealing with that turmoil, that chaos within your heart, or really in a real physical context of warfare, place your trust in God. That is not some silly spiritual talk. This is real. He is real. And he will sustain you. And he will be there. He is telling you to cast your burden on him. So I just hope that blesses you. I hope that encourages you and drives you to the Lord Jesus right now at this very moment. Because remember, in the midst of chaos, Christ is there. God bless you. If you found value, then please subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there.